Welcome to episode four of It's All Relative. Whether you've already listened or just joined us, thanks for being here. As always, we are the Fanspeak.com team and family, and we are excited to cover everything football and share our love for the game with you. I'm Megan, and I'll be your moderator for this show, and I also run Fanspeak.com with my brother Steve. So let's get right to it and introduce the rest of our Fanspeak team and family. Brother Steve is our Fanspeak resident NFL draft expert and content manager. Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. All right. And then we have Cousin Brad, who is Fanspeak's data manager. Brad, how are you tonight? Doing all right. All right, guys. All right, well, we're back. Let's get right to it and discuss everything football. That's college, NFL, fantasy football. And every week we start with a movie quote or gift to kind of sum up the week of football. Um, And I'm going to go first. And anybody who knows me, family and friends, know two things about me is I'm a diehard Redskins fan, unfortunately, and my favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. So I'm going to combine the two or attempt to combine the two. And I told the boys what I was doing, and I definitely think this would be a lot funnier if I had a couple cocktails before this, but we're going to see. see. So instead of just telling you the quote, I'm going to give you the quote, and it's directly to Dan Snyder, and I'll say Bruce Allen too, because as a Redskins fan, we have suffered for well over 20 years. Um, Steve and I, as siblings, are old enough to remember the Redskins actually being good. Um, I was alive for all the Super Bowl wins. I can remember two of the Super Bowl wins. And for the last 20 years, we have suffered very, very much. And the past 10 or so have been really brutal, one dumpster fire after another. So this is from Christmas Vacation. If you know it, you'll remember the Clark Griswold rant. So let me see if I can give it do it any justice hey if you are looking for any last minute gift ideas for me i have one i'd like dan snyder the redskins owner right here tonight and i want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on melody lane with all the other rich people and i want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head and i want to look him straight in the eye and i want to tell him what a cheap line no good rotten four flushing low life snake licking dirt eating inbred Overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, warm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? And now I know why he runs out of breath. (laughs) How did I do? One out of ten. What do you think, Steve? Uh, (laughs) 7.5. Passion's there. The passion's there. Okay, I appreciate it. Ugh, I'm totally out of breath. Brad, you go next. I catch my um, So my quote is from the movie Gladiator, and it is, "Are you not entertained?" And the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> this college football season has been on the uh, the tamer side of you know craziness happening, um, but I, I'm I'm hoping as soon as conference play really kicks into gear that there'll be more and more upsets and whatnot but um so far it's been been mostly bland um there's been a a few games throughout the season that have been really close or entertaining um but overall it's been yeah right and i like i really do like the quote you picked out are you not entertained i like that that was good and and you didn't lose your breath on that one too so (laughs) (laughs) that was key steve what's your quote to summarize the week in football um mine's more of from for the NFL, we were being at the quarter point, and 
teams kind of knowing where they are right now and, and some fan bases hanging on. So I'm going to go with uh, Belushi from Animal House. Over? Was it over when the, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Germans. Lay off him. He's rolling. <laughs> his whole spiel there and you know you have fan bases and probably not redskins fans anymore who <laughs> it's not it hasn't been a good first core of the season but they're still all in and they're still you know grinding their teams and loving every minute of it and you got to respect those fans uh those are the passion fans and you got to feel bad for fans of teams like the redskins and dolphins and you know uh broncos and Bengals and some other teams that maybe didn't have the highest expectations to start the season. But it's uh, over. But at yeah. least hope <laughs> that they were going to do something. And now it, it's it's over. Um, <laughs> so that that's what I thought was appropriate for the quarter point of the season. I like it. Well, guys, I think we picked three good quotes. That's a fun way to start it. We all like movie quotes. We all like texting each other movie quotes. So that was, that was fun. Now we're going to move on to our college football's um, part of the the podcast, and it's our college football stats and draft stock uh, segment. Um, what we do is um, Brad looks at the past week of team um, and the team side and the stats viewpoint, and Steve looks at the player side and the NFL prospects. So Brad, we'll start with you. What were three team stats that really stood out to you this last weekend? Um, so I'll do a mixture of Upcoming matchups slash looking back or what the team has done this season. Um, so the first matchup that I want to highlight is the Florida versus Auburn matchup. Um, it's going to be a pretty good game. Uh, both defenses are um, top 25 in yards per play allowed. Um, you know, with um, Auburn's letting up only three yards per, per rush. Um Florida, they they had a Felipe Franks go down a couple of weeks ago against Kentucky, and um, their their whole outlook of the season has drastically changed. Um, they their their offense has become more. Um, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to say one dimensional, but it is not as explosive right. as it once was. And Auburn's defense is as good as it gets, and and the uh, college football landscape. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how one strength goes up against the other team's weakness. Um, yeah. And then with Bo Nix kind of starting to look like a quarterback, it could be a very ugly game um, sure. if Florida doesn't figure things out on offense. Um, another stat or another game that I, I looked at was the Iowa versus Michigan game. Okay. Um, so this one is a, a stat I found called havoc and that <laughs> is essentially um you know defensive lines create havoc right. on defensive fronts and then offensive fronts um prevent havoc essentially um iowa is number one in preventing havoc um and then michigan is bottom 10 in all of college football um in producing havoc oh. um, so looking at this this kind of shows me that you know i was going to have all day and just have their way with the, the front group of Michigan. Um, so I, I think that might be the, the best decider and who's going to win that game. Sure. That's an interesting stack, uh, stat. Have it. I like it. And then my last one is just a, it's just a plain old team stat. Um, I've probably mentioned this team every week, or at least <laughs> it seems like it. Um, it's Oklahoma. Uh, they're just being ridiculous right now. They're averaging... 10.3 yards per play this season 
and that's almost three yards more than the next team. Um, this offense, offense is just going nuts. Uh, they they really haven't played, you know, the best teams, but it's still ten yards of play. That's ridiculous. Let's see what happens when they. I mean, Big Twelve doesn't have a lot of good defenses, but I think <laughs> I think they could be setting some some offensive records. Oh yeah, uh, on this year. So. All right, I like stats. it. Those are very good. Um, Steve, do you have any kind of feedback or thoughts on those stats that Brad provided? Yeah, no, I think those are all uh, interesting stats. I think I think this Iowa-Michigan game, if Michigan doesn't uh, play better than, than they did a couple weeks ago um, in their game against Wisconsin, I think it's time to say that Michigan was a pretender this year. Um, their defense isn't looking great. Shea Patterson is extremely inconsistent. Uh, they have, you know, a few pieces in their solid team, but they, to me, they've not shown to be anything special. And I think Iowa's a really good team. They got a good defense, great offensive line. Uh, Nate Stanley's a solid quarterback, so I expect <clears throat> I expect them to win. Um, but we'll see if Michigan can play better than they have had so far this year. And that, and then, you know, we talk about Oklahoma every weekend as we should. Uh, what Jalen Hurts has done is absolutely incredible. You know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is a guy who at Alabama, surrounded by some of the best talent in the country, you know, guys like Ridley, Calvin Ridley, some of these other receivers who have been drafted or are going to be drafted, some of these other top running backs, top offensive line. I mean, he could barely throw the football. Uh, now he goes to Oklahoma and under Lincoln Riley, and he is just putting up just, just these massive numbers, looking, making people say, you know, Baker and Murray who, um, you know, the, the two previous Heisman winners. So, um that that's impressive i did not think he he was going to take this jump in this offense even though it's obviously a very quarterback friendly offense but it's been highly impressive and of course what can you say about cd lamb top receiver i mean this guy's uncoverable um as it stands now so uh the, this is an offense who you mentioned they're not really going to get challenged much in the big 12 hopefully we see them in the playoffs because i can't wait to see what you know, them face off against, like, say, an Alabama or Clemson, because I think it'll be uh, quite the matchup there. Absolutely. Well, Steve, why don't you talk about the um, player side and in talking about draft prospects, which draft prospects um, were on the rise this past weekend? Well, I wanted to highlight one game. And as as Brad mentioned, this has not been a very exciting college football season. In fact, the only upset of this past week uh the only ranked team that went down to an unranked team was Kansas State 24. They lost to Oklahoma State, uh, who was unranked. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, this is a team, uh, they're redshirt sophomore running back, so he is draft eligible. Chuba Hubbard goes off for 25 carries, 296 yards, and one touchdown, including an 84-yard touchdown to start the second half. Um, I mean, he's... Really, if he wants, he can probably declare this year. He's absolutely starting to get on the Heisman watch list. Uh, one of the top running backs in the country. He doesn't have a lot of passing involvement. That is something NFL scouts are going to want to see, but he's got good size, great speed, uh, and he just hits the hole and keeps going. So I, he's a guy that is starting to get some buzz and some hype. As a redshirt sophomore, no guarantee he comes out this year, but he had a good redshirt freshman year and is just folding that into just an incredible redshirt sophomore season. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to highlight from this game was their junior receiver, Tylen Wallace, who's another, I think, draft-eligible guy. Um, if he decides to 
come out. Uh, he'd probably be mid-round type talent. Uh, their quarterback, Spencer Sanders, threw for had 16 completions for 153 yards. Tylen Wallace had eight of those catches for 145. I mean, he is their entire passing offense, essentially, and uh, which is definitely a step back from what we've seen from Oklahoma State the last you know, couple, last 10 years or so. Um, but Wallace is, is legit, and he and Hubbard give this team two explosive offensive weapons who, if they want to declare – um, are going to have draft scouts uh, really interested in them. And we'll see as they face some some tough competition down the road and uh, if these guys can keep it up. But there are two guys worth watching from a team that's definitely on the rise. They're now 4-1 and one, uh, with their upset over Kansas State. Okay. And um, any other skill position players we should keep our eye on moving forward? Well, I'm sure there's I know there's a lot of them, but yeah. um, if you could highlight a couple that we should you know, keep our eye on. I think I think the other guy to highlight is uh, DeMonte um, Smith, the right wide receiver from Alabama. There's been so much hype around uh, Jerry Judy and Alabama's other skill guys. This guy goes off for I think it was 11 catches, 274 yards and five touchdowns or this past week. I mean, this guy is just another incredible talent. They're, they're just so talented. Um, and now that they have an offense that throws the football as they do, these weapons are, uh, you know, just pretty much off the charts. Um, it, it's pick your poison. You cover one, you have two other elite receivers just wide open. So uh, I don't know how defenses can hope to stop this offense with the way two is throwing the football. Um, they still have a good running game. Their offensive line's really talented, and they have three just elite receivers. Right. Okay. Um, well, everybody should uh, check out Steve's big board on On the Clock, our mock draft simulator. He updates it every Tuesday, and we'll be having some. Um, he will be having some big updates to it soon. And then, as as that um, as he makes bigger updates each week, we'll kind of break down some of the updates he does. But um, be sure to check out On the Clock mock draft simulator on fanspeak.com. Um, guys, let's move on to our NFL point counterpoint, and um, I'm just going to run through kind of four questions and get each um, side. So first, let's talk about which NFL coaches we talked about like the four NFL teams that kind of have no hope at 0-4, but um, which NFL coaches do you think are on the hot seat and possibly will be fired during the season or soon? Brad, I'll let you go first. What do you think? Did you say four? Well, well, uh, how many teams are 0-4? Steve brought up the four teams that felt like there was no hope, Redskins obviously there, being one of them. There's five teams without a win. Uh, one is the Jets 0-3, and, and another is the Cardinals who have a tie. But. Okay, yeah. Well, so four teams are own four, right? Then, yeah. yeah, but I, I think I, go beyond that also. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I think there are coaches that have won a game this year that I think are more on the hot seat than someone that just got hired, like True. With, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, um, Zach Taylor, right. um, Adam Gase. You know, they're all first-year hires. Granted, you know, they could be doing better, but... Um, there's a steep learning curve in the NFL, especially if you've never coached it before. Right. Um, but the, the coaches I wanted to highlight are uh, Dan Quinn, Jay Gruden, Mike Zimmer, and then uh, Bill O'Brien. Um, mm. I think Dan Quinn has given been given plenty of uh, resources and the, the right players to score more than 10 points against Tennessee. Um, 
they seem to play down to their opponents and they'll occasionally play up to their opponents but you know they had that one great year where they only lost a game or was it two games um but you know since then yeah yeah, since then dan quinn's gone 500 with you know a lot of talent on his roster and it's they're starting off one and three and it's not looking so good um for the rest of the year so i could see him being the very uncomfortable in the, the coaching seat. Um, Jay Gruden, um, <laughs> honestly, before the season even started, it seemed like he kind of just quit. Um, he's just uninterested. Agreed. Um, he just is there to finish the season out, and if, if he even makes it to the end of the season, um, I don't not. think he will. But um, <laughs> I, he, the, the team's own four. They have looked okay at best on certain parts of the season if you want to look very narrowly but um <laughs> you know with all these injuries and then Dwayne Haskins looking like a freshman quarterback in college um it's not not looking good at all um Mike Zimmer uh once again high expectations both last year and this year last year didn't turn out so hot didn't make the playoffs after going 13 and 3 um this year they're two and two. Uh, I mean, I still think they can make the playoffs. They're, they have a lot of talent, good defense, but that offense is lethargic. And Kirk Cousins seems to have gotten the yips or something. He can't throw the ball anymore. Um, yeah. I guess when you don't practice it or do it in a game more than ten times, you've. Kind of <laughs> it. But that's true. That might have been the one and only good Redskins decision that's been made recently. Is not giving him ninety million. But go ahead. What and go. Keep and then Bill O'Brien, um, I mean, things could go much worse. Like, I don't think he's – it really depends on the next couple games, you know. Their division is still wide open. They haven't really taken a hold on that yet um, with a lot of division games coming up. Um, you know, a lot of injuries, which aren't his fault, but he's also trading away everything to – to win now and if they don't win now or even make the playoffs i think i think he could be um you know looking on the uh looking to be fired but i think the the most likely coaches to get get axed are dan quinn and jay gruden i would agree with you um i think those are four excellent coaches examples of coaches on the hot seat of the two coaches you mentioned that play this week do you have a quick prediction who wins the atlanta Houston game of those two coaches because they are facing uh, off this week. I think Houston's a better team, and um, I also want them to win. So, okay, <laughs> no bias, right? Little, no bias, right? Okay, Steve, uh, Brad made four excellent points. So, who, what coaches do you see on the hot seat? Obviously, I know you're going to say Jay Gruden too. Yeah, no, I, I mean I agree with all the all the names Brad mentioned, and uh, I will say. And to me, maybe this is just from a logical perspective, but I know Adam Gase is in his first year, but he did coach before Miami. He was terrible in Miami, and so far he's been terrible with the Jets. When you have a franchise quarterback like Sam Darnold, the last thing you want to saddle him with is a bad coach for multiple years um, going forward. And I think that's what they do if they stick with Adam Gase. I mean, they're like 31st or 32nd in every offense category, and I understand Darnold has been out and um, all that, but they made huge investments in the offense in the offseason with Le'Veon Bell, offensive line, Jameson Crowder, 
you know, a few other things. And, I mean, this team just top and down across the board is just terrible. Um, maybe they'll pick things up when Darnold can finally play again. Uh, but they they looked absolutely anemic even with him. Um, and I would Gase would be the one first-year coach that I would not be surprised if he gets the axe. If they end up like 2-14, and 14, something like that, and Darnold doesn't look good, I think you got to cut bait. Um, you know, I, I think likely we're looking, we're talking about the other coaches that Brad mentioned. Um, I think they'll all be fired at some point, uh, whether it's during the season or after the year, unless one of these teams like Houston or, or somebody like that, unless they go in a really deep playoff run. Because, you know, these teams have had opportunities and they have a lot of talent. Uh, I, I think Brad's point about Dan Quinn is perfect. I mean, this is a team, they have like the third worst point differential in the NFC when you have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. You know, I mean, this offense is, is as bad as the Redskins offense, who's missing, you know, who's on their third quarterback with Alex Smith and Colt McCoy out and then fourth quarterback with Dwayne Haskins coming in and so many other injuries across the board. I mean, that that to me is just unacceptable. So, um I think that's uh, that's another coach who could get a, a fired during the year. I, I'd say Gruden's the first one out, but I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn doesn't make it past say week eight or nine if if they don't turn it around quick. Yeah, speaking of Gruden, I'm not a huge fan of Stephen A. Smith, but he he feels like he's gonna Gruden's gonna be fired after this week. Obviously, they're probably gonna get destroyed at home and be embarrassed again by the Patriots. Do you think? that he would get canned immediately after this Sunday, or do you see him lasting a little longer or by somehow this, the whole season? Um, I don't, I don't think I'd pull the trigger this soon um, in part because there have been just so many issues. Uh, but I think probably around mid season, if they're one in seven or something along those lines, that's when they'd make look to make the move. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. So that's going to lead us right into the next <laughs> question, which, you know, um, as we discussed earlier, Steve and I are diehard Redskins fans. So this um, we've been suffering for a long time, but this season's been especially brutal. Um, you know, what can the Redskins do um, to fix this dumpster fire, show their fans they're trying? Um, they haven't done anything like that in decades. Steve, what would you do if you were um, the Redskins owner or part of the front office? Well, I think it's about making the tough choice that Dan Snyder as a fan and as a businessman, I think has never wanted to do. And that is say, we're not going to be good this year. And we're not going to, you know, going out and right after losing Alex Smith and knowing that you're probably going to need a rebuilding year, then you go and pay Landon Collins, who's a, a very good young safety but make him the highest paid safety in the league is just not a good allocation of resources. Safety is probably the least impactful position in the NFL. That's what you do when you are ready to take that next step and you need that one final piece. And then that's when you break the bank for a top elite safety. It's not when you are probably looking at a losing season because you're going to be on your third quarterback um, and, and potentially breaking in a rookie. You know, it, it, the Redskins have never done what teams like the Browns, 49ers, Raiders, um, you know, Jaguars, uh, now the Dolphins have done where they say, hey, we're going to take a year to rebuild, build our cap space, acquire draft picks, acquire assets. You know, the Rams did have done this in the past. It doesn't work for all these teams. Some of these teams have 
grossly mismanaged their resources. Colts did the same thing, though. And, and look, even without Andrew Luck, this team is competitive. Why? Because they are built a well-built team, top to bottom. They don't have a ton of elite players, but they've got a lot of good players. And that's where the Redskins are lacking, is they have some big names, um, mainly through who they've drafted in recent years, but they don't have the depth. And when you're missing three offensive linemen, it's not good. It's a, it's a bad situation, and you just you don't have the depth, you don't have the talent, and the Redskins need to rebuild. And I think that also includes trading away Trent Williams uh, for what you can get at this point. It's clear he's not going to play, and why would he want to come back to a team that's likely after this week 0 and 5? You know, see what other potential assets you could trade away to get other picks. All not only get picks, but also save some money on the cap. Um, because cap money can be uh, applied towards next year. So, you know, I think that's what it's going to take. And I think it's, you got a young quarterback, you got, um, you know, we'll see if, if you can re-sign guys like Brandon Scherf and, and stuff like that. But you got a couple of young offensive linemen, Terry McLaurin, um, who knows what Darius Geis is going to be. But on defense, you do have a number of young, talented players. Um, so I think you got to build around them. But I think you got to make smart decisions and not – just use every cap dollar you can every single year. It made sense when, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when Cousins and company, when they looked potentially, you know, they went to the playoffs one year and just missed the playoffs the year right after. But since then, they've lost too many pieces and not been able to replace them. But instead of rebuilding, they keep throwing money out at second tier and third tier options. And you're getting lesser and lesser returns, especially as the injuries pile up. Right. Well, Brad, I know we're very passionate because we are, again, suffering through this as Redskins fans. But what would you do if you were the Redskins front office? Um, my less serious answer is <laughs> to get a new owner. Um, yes. I, um, my I more serious her. answer is it's definitely along the lines of what Steve said. Um, it's really there's this purgatory of sorts of just being mediocre, mm-hmm. whether it's the NBA, NFL. You, If you want to get better you either have to really just nail your draft picks or you have to tank. Um, like, like the 76ers Dolph- or, six or yeah. 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 Look at the, look at the dolphins recently. They're the most mediocre team and they're just, they've been so bland. So, you know, 500, they're not, they're <laughs> not making the playoffs. They're not getting top picks. They're just sitting there literally just as a team. Like no one would notice if they just didn't show up. Like, that's how bland they were. Um, and then the Redskins have been kind of doing the same thing. Now it's like they're they're starting to lose a lot more games than um, than they used to, and that's when you just take the bullet or bite the bullet, tank, get some good draft picks, sell off some or trade off some assets, yeah. and really go. You don't have to go as far as Miami did, but um, you, see, you always see these teams like the Broncos have always kind of been or since their Super Bowl win, they've been very mediocre. Um, they keep getting new new quarterbacks that they're like Flacco, like he's OK at best. Right. Um, but they they've, they're also in four. They should consider tanking this year. Tanking. But, right. <laughs> um, it doesn't help that Bradley Chubb just is out for the year now. Um, right. They've lost a lot, but. You also see this in the NBA, like the Charlotte Hornets are a prime example. They haven't gotten the top pick. They'll be in the back end of the, the lottery, but those picks aren't as good as the top 
you know, five, six, seven picks. And if you keep making these mediocre signings or overpaying players like Nicholas Batum, if you do that, no matter what the sport is, you're going nowhere. You, you're just going to be mediocre forever. And that's not going to do anything. So well, I think you said it well, like mediocre purgatory or just stuck there, you know, and, and like you said that, I guess kind of keeps some fans <laughs> delusional ones usually like me hanging on, but you know, it's not going to keep, make you happy make the fans no, happy. It and, doesn't solve anything. No. Well, no. So, and the other thing that, you know, the other sports with salary caps don't have is you can roll money over. So, I mean, that's what the Browns did. The Browns, teams like the Browns, Colts, 49ers, still have very healthy cap situations, even though they've started to pay some players like huge money, like mm-hmm. Odell Beckham, like, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, the 49ers, they structured their contract with Jimmy Garoppolo with the same annual average salary as Kirk Cousins, but because they gave him such a balloon payment in year two, that honestly, I mean, he's playing well, so they're going to keep him, but honestly, they could cut him next year with almost no cap penalty. Like they, It allows you to make so much better moves when you can do things like that and gives you just so many outs and so many outlets uh, in case things don't go right or, you know, some free agent is a bust or a draft picks a bust. And, you know, those are the teams that we see do better and better. Um, you know, I mentioned the Colts. I mean, the fact that they're playing this well without Andrew Luck is just a testament to what that front office and Frank Wright have done. Yeah. And I will say the Redskins have had their share of bad luck with injuries. I know every football team deals that it. it's football. It's you know, an injury prone sport, but um, between having Alex Smith and multiple quarterbacks, broken leg situations to Darius Geis not being able to even get through basically one game, poor guy. And, you know, multiple injuries along the offensive line and just, you know, just, but it shows that we don't have depth and, you know, um, and it starts at the top. And that's why I did my rant, rant about Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. And I wish, I wish as a fan, you could, you know, vote out the owner or something like that, vote him off the island or something. But, you know, you can't. You just wish he would somehow learn from his mistakes after all these, not years, decades now, that just to do better and to, you know, hire somebody who's smarter than him and get rid of Bruce Allen. So so that's my take on it. So oh, it's frustrating. Let's talk about the other team that Brad mentioned that's a little frustrating too, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, they have been so run heavy. Um, Adam Thielen, you know, was making comments after the game about, um, you know, how you can't run the ball that much. You have to be um, two-dimensional. Um, so do you think the Vikings will shift their their game plan and, and mix the pass game in more this Sunday with the whole squeaky wheel narrative? Um, or or do you think they'll just be kind of stubborn and stick with the, the running game? And, and what do you think, Steve? Uh, you know, I don't see why they wouldn't go back to to um, be more of a, if not balanced, a balanced, yeah. slightly pass first team like the way most of the NFL is. I'm not saying they have to go out and be the Chiefs or something like that, but this is an offense who, you know, last year for the first like 10 games, their passing game was as good as anyone. I mean, what was it, week two last year where Cousins outdueled Aaron Rodgers and, and a couple weeks later, on I think it was a Thursday night game, you know, Cousins was almost as good as Jared Goff in that shootout. And, you know, they lost, but that was more on the the Vikings defense, which had, you know, some off-the-field issues last year and stuff like that that 
I think, contributed to some of their issues. Their defense is better this year, and I, I get why you want to be run heavy. I mean, Dalvin Cook's really good, and I think their offense line is better run blocking than pass blocking. But you have Kirk Cousins, who even last year, you know, they tailed off at the end, but was like, what, QB 12, 13 in the league, and had basically been between QB 8 and 12 the three previous years with the Redskins. And you add, and you have, you know, Diggs and Thielen. Now you have Rudolph and Irv Smith, uh, tight end. You know, they don't really have a third receiver, which is troubling, but there's no reason you can't be a much more efficient passing attack uh, with that kind of talent. And, you know, I think what Brad said earlier is they've gotten so run heavy where now it's like it it's like paralysis when they do try and throw one because everyone knows they have to. They get in situations where everyone in the stadium knows that they're throwing the football, which allows defenders to tee off and, you know, just makes the, the life so much more difficult for Cousins and Diggs and Thielen. Um, but two, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're, they're not throwing from, um, uh, you know, a place of strength, which I, you know, that that's just going to eat into your uh, mental ability kind of as Brad alluded to when you're only throwing, 15 times in some of these games, like you're just not going to be able to do it effectively when it matters, when you really need to come back and do it, do it right. Uh, I don't care how talented you are. And I just don't see why you do it. It's so much easier in the NFL to move the football throwing than running. Uh, The league's built that way. The rules are built that way. Why would you not take advantage of these talented players and be at least a balanced offense? So they should go back into that direction and, uh, but we'll see if it works. Right. Yeah. Brad, what do you think? Do you do you agree that they should go um, more pass heavy or more balanced offense? I mean, I, I definitely agree. Um, when when teams start to become predictable, it's when they start. That's when they start, you know, losing. Um, I, I think this is a good week to. I don't know if the, the plays will necessarily be more even because I, I if they do pass more, I, I do think the more balanced offense, they can really run up the score on the Giants. Um, mm-hmm. His defense, you know, isn't the best, um, especially when you have two top 20 wide receivers on your team. Right. You should be able to be um, moving the ball easily. So I don't know if, you know, Kirk's going to throw it for 40 times because he doesn't have to, but um, I, I do think they will pass more often than not, especially on earlier downs. Um, I, now I don't know if it's going to go all to Thielen, but um, maybe maybe Rudolph just gets targeted 15 times and <laughs> goes off. But um, I, I do think that they should, um, and I kind of hope they do because they they have some talented wide receivers that are very fun to watch when they're playing well. Oh, absolutely, I agree. And you made a good point about this is the week to maybe do it. The Giants' pass defense is not good. Only the Washington Redskins can make it come look like the '85 Bears. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, and well, <laughs> not only is the Giants' pass defense, but they are they're one of the worst pass rushes in the league. So, this is the time where you know your inexperienced offensive line is not going to be near as an issue. So, this is where you get right and get your passing game clicking. And look, you don't have to throw a lot to be effective throwing the football. I mean, week one, Lamar Jackson threw 20 times and he had like 400 yards passing, like, you know, not that many, but close. And 
that could be what we see from the Vikings. I mean, they can be very efficient with these two receivers and put up big numbers, even if they are only throwing 30, 35 times this week. I listened to some podcasts talking about, you know, what Mike Zimmer will do this weekend and will he go stick running heavy or go pass heavy? He does seem like a stubborn guy. Do you think he, he could be one of those coaches that's just like stubborn and is like, well, everybody wants me to throw more. I'm just going to keep he's running gonna double, He's going to double, double down and double, yeah. Dalvin's getting 40 carries. <laughs> yeah. Or I know. Matt, Madison's going to get the 25 and Dalvin's going to get like 30. I know. That's gonna... a... That's yeah, what I'm worried about. Yeah. I think Zimmer is a little too old school and you know, you just can't win consistently in the NFL with I don't care how good your defense is. You know, look at the Jaguars like uh, you know, 2 years ago their defense was great. They ran by running the football um and not making Bortles making too many mistakes on offense. Last year their defense was still top 5, but they couldn't win because they they could barely run the football because everyone knew that's all they were going to do. So you need to be dynamic. You need to mix things up and, you know, play action's only going to work if you ever throw the football. So, you know, like, um, I just think with the way the league's built and in such a tough division, uh, with, you know, all three teams or all three other teams are playing well. I mean, you gotta give lions a lot of credit. Like, um, they, they barely lost to the chiefs and, you know, they have a tie to their name, but they have, they have two pretty solid wins against two good teams, and um, they're not going to be a pushover anymore. So, you know, the Vikings are going to have to step up. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's talk about NFC versus AFC. We are at the quarter point of the season, and it's very interesting between the two conferences because the AFC has the two powerhouses with the, the Patriots and Chiefs, but the NFC's competition is so tough and so deep. Um, so much deeper. Um, if the season were to end today, I believe there would be a three and one team that would not make the playoffs. So, so how do you see the NFC shaking out, Steve? Not only a three and one team, you'd have the Lions, who at uh, two one and one have a winning record themselves. They wouldn't make the playoffs. So, um, you know, again, you know, we're only a quarter of the way in. Uh, so some of this will change, but that's a that's two teams who have played really well. You know, pick which three and one team doesn't make it um either the bears or packers from the nfc <clears throat> nfc north or, or one of the teams from the west um would be sitting out of the playoffs so uh you know these teams have all looked really good and i don't know how you you know it's tough to rank them uh when you do like draft predictions draft ranking predictions or power ranking predictions it's tough to rank how good these teams are because i mean honestly the lions have had one of the toughest schedules of these teams and, you know, they're sitting at two, one and one. Uh, but, the, you know, the Cowboys have looked dominant at times. The Packers have looked really good. Um, I think they've faced some really good competition beating the Eagles, Vikings and bears um, or, or not being the Eagles, but the Vikings and bears and, and losing a close one to the Eagles. Um, you know, so it, it's tough to rank these teams. And I think it, I think it does go to show that the AFC, you know, they've been kind of weaker for a while now, um, been much more reliant on the teams at the top, and previously one of those teams was the Steelers, and then they lose all their, you know, a lot of their talented guys, and Ben Roethlisberger goes down, and they're maybe no longer in the mix. So, um, you know, the AFC just doesn't have the teams to stepping up 
And I think, you know, we've talked about before, the AFC South is just such a jumble right now uh, with the Andrew Luck situation. The Texans, despite the offseason moves to try and put more talent around uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, Watson's still looking pretty good, but he's taking a ton of sacks. That defense isn't maybe as good as we thought it was going to be, um, you know, with losing Clowney. So uh, no team stepping up in that division. Um, I, there's definitely a, a divide between the two conferences right now. I'd obviously still favor the Patriots versus anyone, but uh, the NFC is definitely more talented overall. Yeah. Brad, would you agree with that assessment? And, and how do you see the NFC kind of shaking out with it being so competitive? Um, I definitely agree. Uh, the AFC has always seemed to have you know, two top teams that tend to meet in the, the conference finals. Um, and I, I think we'll have a repeat of last year's Chiefs-Patriots definitely. matchup, which is fine with me because they're both really good teams. Um and then that's why you see in the AFC side, you'll get a Tennessee at nine and seven, or Buffalo at nine and seven making the playoffs, um, or Jacksonville at nine and seven two years ago, or whenever that was. It was right. just—it's very. I don't want to—it's just not more exciting. Common. Kind of like yeah. a more oh, defensive right. battle, more even teams, just like best of the worst kind of situation. Not saying you know winning teams in the NFL are bad, just. You know the the competition isn't quite the same as a, a the the better teams in that conference. Um, as far as the NFC, I think there's a, a lot of good teams. There's also a lot of good teams with a lot of injuries. You know, you have three teams that don't have their starting quarterback. You know, the Saints, the Panthers, the Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, you could argue that the Bears could have gotten an upgrade. As much as I love Mitch, he's <laughs> very very mediocre at best. UNC um, guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they have some injury concerns. The Eagles, they have talent if they're on the field. Um, I don't think they have a a decent sec Like, their secondary's been demolished by injury. Um, and you, you really hate to see these races come down to who stays the healthiest. But, you know, that's how the NFL kind of works, you know. It does. Whoever, whoever's the healthiest in the playoffs tends to make it the furthest. Um, so right. I, I, I kind of think some of these ties will come down to who can stay healthy um, the longest. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Unfortunately, you do need a little luck in, in, in the health department for sure. All right, guys. Well, now let's switch gears to fantasy football and do our fantasy football take segment. Um, we're going to talk uh, first about um, one of the high-scoring games of the week. We briefly mentioned it earlier. When you look at Vegas totals, there's a lot of kind of predicted or projected low scoring games but um the the predicted high scoring game is the atlanta falcons versus the houston texans um in in houston i believe so kind of on a fast track uh either way it would be but which players and pieces do you want from this game steve i guess all the above or 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 are there certain ones you're isolating um you know i do think this is a game that could uh develop into a shootout i think you have two defenses who have been very inconsistent and underperforming. Uh, I think you have two quarterbacks who can throw the football as good as anyone and both have one elite receiver and then other pieces who can get the job done. Um, Also backs out of the backfield who can catch the ball and contribute that way. So, uh, you know, I think I like the Atlanta side more um, just because Matt Ryan, I mean, he's just a 300-yard passing machine week in, week out. Um, You know, from... 
uh, DraftKings scoring. He had basically 20 points last week without a touchdown. Uh, so, you know, if you give him two, three touchdowns, obviously he's having a monster week. So, and then if those touchdowns go to guys like Julio Jones or Austin Hooper, um, maybe Calvin Ridley. I don't know why he hasn't been as involved in the offense these last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, but th- those are a lot of weapons there. But on the flip side, you know, since week one, DeAndre Hopkins has been really quiet and just got to think he's in line for a big game. I and mean, we just saw Tennessee's receivers and passing attack shred the Falcons, just absolutely shred the Falcons. And they are nowhere near as good as Sean Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Say nothing of Will Fuller and all the other pieces on the Houston offense as well. So, um, you know, I just want, I want to look at this game from both directions and I think stacks with both Watkins Hopkins Watson Hopkins and Ryan Julio uh, are a great way to start your your fantasy roster for the week agreed um Brad what's uh what's your take on the players in these games who do you like best um I think Steve mentioned just about everyone I agree with uh I don't <laughs> it's one of those you can run it back very easily in this game yeah. you don't have to yeah. play you know some nobody to just get some action of the game. I think both you have two of the top, you know, four or five wide receivers in the game. Um, I I think you can't really go wrong there. And a up and down matchup, Deshaun and Matt Ryan are going to sling the, or at least Matt Ryan will throw the ball so many times. And as Steve said, the yardage is always there. It's all about the touchdowns. Um, and I, I think. Uh, one person that, or one player that I think could be very interesting this game would be uh, Devonta Freeman. I was actually just going to ask you about him. Especially so. if he can get nine targets again. Um, he got a yeah. ton of work last week. And all he, you know, he he was five 5,000 um, and he got 18 points. Now that's not going to put you at the top, but for that kind of value, if he can get nine targets and 15 rushes again, He's not. I, he's not going to average two point three against Houston. He'll probably do a little bit better, but I think that's another interesting person that you could play. That most people will be focused on the wide receivers or even um, Austin Hooper after the big game. Yeah, I agree, and I was actually going to ask you about him specifically, so you beat me to it. Um, and I re- I actually heard in a podcast that it, that he out of all his um, I forget what what stat they they pointed to but um he's like kind of looking at positive touchdown regression based on either the number of carries or number of yards he should have more touchdowns than what he Mm -hmm. does so maybe it's the number of team touchdowns versus i i think he's one of the few that i mean maybe he hasn't gotten a touchdown yet but he's due for positive touchdown regression so that's interesting too steve let's talk about the other running back in this game people are always mixed on carlos hyde what's your take on him um you know, I'm a bigger fan of PPR scoring and DraftKings for daily fantasy. So right. I would look at Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson did some positive things last week uh, in what was a very low-scoring game. So if you do have a game where they're actually converting touchdowns and not, you know, uh, turning the ball over or settling for field goals, Duke Johnson could be interesting as well. It, it, we know Atlanta is terrible versus running backs out of the backfield. Um, that goes back multiple years now. I don't think anything's changed. I mean, last week, you know, was was Derrick Henry, not, nothing um, special there. But um, 
they they've had serious issue covering backs out of the backfield, and I think Duke Johnson could be a, a little sleeper uh, given his price. I mean, Hyde will probably get his, and he could vulture touchdowns if they get near the goal line. Uh, but I think he's a little bit too one dimensional. Sometimes those guys go off, as we saw Jordan Howard a week ago Thursday night versus the Packers, where he had a huge game. Um, but I I probably lean more toward Duke Johnson in this matchup. Sure. Um, now let's talk about um, bell cow running backs, the running backs that are just getting huge workload for their team. Um, in fantasy, that's kind of been a uh, safe way to go to, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's and Dalvin Cooks. Um, so of the bell cow running backs this week, um, like the guys I mentioned, which one is your favorite this week, uh, Brad, or if you have a couple favorites? I have two favorites. Um, I really like uh, Zeke against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Um, the Green Bay defense has been better than it normally is the, pa- the past couple of years. Um, so I think people might be a little scared off by that, but their run defense is not that great. I mean, Philip Lindsay ran all over them. Not saying Lindsay's a bad player. I just think that Zeke is so much better. Um, I think in these closer matchups that Dallas just can't have Tony Pollard running out there for 15 carries um, or whatever he got two weeks ago. Um, With a closer game, they have to have their best player on the field, and that's going to be Zeke. The more touches he gets, the better they're off. Um, And I I really like the projection that Zeke is going to get against this Green Bay defense. Sure. The other player I really like is Dalvin Cook, um, home favorite (laughs) on a run-heavy team. Even if they pass a little bit more than normal, um, percentage-wise, I think you know Dalvin Cook is going to get twenty-plus touches right. against the bad defense, and um, he is priced down a little bit. I say a little bit, but I mean he's going to be like he's like the fifth running back or so, right. um, and I think I think that could be a smash spot for him right there. And he Lots gets a market share in the passing game too. Mm-hmm. He gets yeah. a decent amount. Of, okay. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of both this week as well. Steve, who are your favorite bell cow running backs for this week? Uh, well, my first one is definitely injury news dependent, and that's James Conner. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, wow. I think we do see that the Steelers are going to mix in Jalen Samuels more, and I'm sure Benny Snell could get a little work. Uh, but we just saw this Ravens defense just get torn apart by Nick Chubb and they've been kind of run on all year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think James Conner at home, if he's healthy is a very, very interesting play because not only from what he does running the football, but he's so involved in this passing game now, even more so I think with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Definitely. Um, so that that's one area where I'd look, I think, uh, Honestly, in the same game, I think you can look Mark Ingram. Uh, he doesn't really fit the bell cow as much, but he gets the lion's share of the work and gets some passing game work. Uh, it's tough to say, to argue against Dalvin Cook being the best bell cow option um, in the matchup versus the Giants. Uh, I do like Elliott. I think McCaffrey is just always in play. And then I would say, while he's not looked good this year, uh, David Johnson, he's highly involved in the passing game. His running has not been impressive, but they're facing the Bengals. Um, this could be a chance for Arizona to get a win. Bengals, I mean, that team just quit. Uh, you know, there's just no real way to say it uh, in that Steelers game. They just 
quit. They, they look terrible. Um, and, you know, Connor and Samuels were running and catching everything on uh, on the Bengals that, that was thrown their way or, or opportunities that they had. So I don't see any reason why David Johnson can't have a big game and be highly involved. And, you know, I'm sure they still want to keep things pretty simple for Kyler, even though this is a easier matchup. Uh, so I expect him to get a lot of targets again, and um, he could break one for, for a big gain or two. So um, that that's another guy who's gained a lot of market share on his team, hasn't been too effective. He is coming off a eight-catch, 99-yard week. Um, yeah. Oh, just missed the bonus. <laughs> yeah, just missed the bonus and didn't have a touchdown. So, uh, you know, I think he's a guy who could have a big, big game in him this week. Okay. Well, we just talked about the running backs. Now let's talk about the passing side. Um, we are big fans of using the uh, buy low air yards model um, by Josh Hermsmeyer and the, the people over at uh, Establish the Run. Shout out to them. We're all big fans and subscribers over here of um, the website Establish the Run. I believe they're at Establish the Run on Twitter. But um, so using the, we all took a look at the buy low air yards model today. Which um, high priced and which low priced wide receiver on that list do you like best, Steve? Well, you know, the, typically don't have high price guys, but just because of some issues yeah. with how Thielen and Diggs have been utilized and how Hopkins has been utilized, they're on the list. So, um, you know, Hopkins, I think, you know, they're going to actually throw to him um, compared to Diggs and Thielen, as we talked about earlier. But I think all three make a lot of sense. Hopkins would be the one I would put my money on just because I think he's safer from a target perspective. Uh, and I think his matchup is as good um as any and and that's what the and digs going to up against a terrible passing defense so that would be my high price one my lower price one uh you know i think that there's definitely some concern with uh with the carolina passing game but i do like i like seeing curtis samuel on there um i think there could be some opportunities if uh, Ramsey's out again and, you know, Jaguars. Uh, it's not the greatest matchup, but this is a, a model and he's gotten decent targets. Uh, so I like that. And then <clears throat> I guess the other one I'd point to um, is uh, uh, obviously Will Fuller in that same Houston game. Uh, you know, if it's not Hopkins, it's probably going to be Fuller in what I believe could be the shootout of the week. So uh, I definitely want some shares of him as well. Right. Or both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, Brad, what, same question. Who's your favorite high-priced and low-priced wide receiver on the buy-low air yards model? Um, favorite high price. I mean, Hopkins and Thielen. Um, yeah. yeah. I just think Hopkins, one, he's too good to be on this model, if that makes right. sense. Like, he should, <laughs> he should have... No problems scoring against this uh, um, Atlanta defense. And Thielen, the matchup is as good as you could ask for. It's one of those, if it doesn't happen this week, when will it happen kind of situations. Um, you kind of lose all reliability if you haven't lost it yet. Um, right. So um, I don't want to rehash the same things that Steve just said, but those are the, the two best. Um, I did like Fuller, and I meant to mention him earlier, and who to play versus... Um, in the uh, Atlanta-Houston game, because I, I think he has that potential to, you know, kind of win you whatever week you're, you're playing or whatever 
ranked tournament or whatnot to play. Um, but the the low price guys I liked is a uh, is it Auden Tate? Auden I believe Tate? so. Auden Tate, uh, yes. Especially with the news today with John Ross going on the IR. Right. Um, I think that's a that's actually huge news for someone like him. Um, he might be a little bit chalky, but rightfully so. Going yeah, against Arizona. that secondary, <laughs> he's gotten some some good target numbers, and um, he's very cheap. And yeah, I think he's what thirty five hundred. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's one way to go, and also another more obscure way to go is uh, Jameson Crowder. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jets are going to play from behind, and that bodes well because the Eagles secondary, like I said earlier, is just banged up. Um, they have no one consistently healthy, just the rotating door. And Jamison Crowder does get a lot of targets. They're they're on the shorter side, but you know if if he gets 14 catches again, I'm okay. Right um, <laughs> at that at his price, which is I think it's 4,500. Um, so I, I think there's those are two guys that you know can have huge games. All right. Um, well, now let's talk about uh, when we're talking about kind of chalky plays or you know high owned plays. Steve, which high owned player or chalky player are you kind of find eating the chalk with and and playing? I know we don't know, you know, it's still a ways to look at ownership pro- projections, but any chalky players you're interested in this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I do expect um, probably more Julio than Hopkins to be pretty chalky. Um, I haven't looked at it too deep yet because I feel, you know, it's tough to predict this early in the week. Uh, and then Dalvin Cook, um, I expect him to be highly chalky for the reasons we mentioned before. Um, and I'm quite all right eating that chalk. Uh, you know, I think the volume is going to be there for both those guys, and they both have the chance for 30-plus points in these matchups. So I'm quite all right eating the chalk uh, at that price and at that ownership. Okay. Brad, how about you? Um, I only have one note here. Um, it's about <laughs> Zeke, and it says, dude is going to eat. Um, <laughs> I, I think I really like the matchup. I know um, Tyron Smith. Is it Tyron Smith? Yeah. Yeah. He, I don't think he's going to be playing, um, which is always worrisome. But I think that's more worrisome for the passing game. Um, I think Zeke will have the opportunity. And it, when someone as talented as he gets that much opportunity, I think you you play that. Um, I mean, fantasy, you really only can look at opportunity and just hope they're efficient with it. Right. So. I, I really think that the matchup is good, and you know, that's the the one guy I really like. Also, I mentioned Cook earlier. Steve right. just mentioned Cook. I think that might be the high price chalky play for running backs. Right. Well, I liked your note. Dude is going to eat. <laughs> I, I think the thing with Zeke that's very uh, welcoming for fantasy owners is last week he was actually involved in the passing game. The first couple mm-hmm. of games he just had almost zero passing game involvement. Uh, and was just, so, you know, even getting 100 yards and even 100 yards and touchdown, he's only going to get you so far. But now when you combine that, uh, I think I agree with you. I think Zeke could have a very big game. You know, we just saw uh, Philadelphia just run right through um, the Packers with both Howard and Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Zeke is clearly better than both of them. And 
Uh, we saw even Jordan Howard catching the ball on them. So I, I think uh, I think Zeke can can get a few catches and do some damage through the air as well. And uh, that that's where the Tyrone Smith injury might actually work in his favor. They need to dump the ball off more mm-hmm. when they do mm-hmm. go pass. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's look at the other side. What players are you looking at that might be more contrarian that you might um, try to get into your lineups and be sneaky? Steve, who are you looking at? Um, well, one guy, you know, we talked uh, in terms of like lower running backs who maybe aren't going to be as highly owned. You know, Brad mentioned Devontae Freeman earlier. I'm not sure how high owned he'll be, but he's definitely on my list. Um, another one, you know, if you need a salary saver, Miles Sanders, you know, last week is Jordan Howard. People might, you know, jump back on that, but Sanders is getting. Uh, you know, 10 plus carries a week. He's been pretty effective these last two weeks, running for 72 yards versus the Packers, 53 yards versus the Lions. Uh, his passing game involvement's been inconsistent, but he did break a big catch versus the Lions. This is a game where Eagles are at home. They should be ahead versus a Jets team that is not that good. I see this is a week where the rookie gets his run, uh, so to speak, and. You know, if he sneaks in a touchdown or two at 4,500, you could be looking at a 20-point week um, fairly easily. So that would be a a sleeper contrarian one at running back. At receiver, um, it's a guy I mentioned earlier, Calvin Ridley. You know, guy has not been involved at all this year um, since week two. Uh, And after last year, everyone kind of expected him to take the next step. And the first two weeks, it looked good. He had two... He had 170 yards, two touchdowns. Since then, he's got four catches. I know he's a little banged up and 38 yards. I think it's time that he gets back involved in this offense. And I'm not hearing a lot of hype surrounding him just yet. So he'd be somebody I'm targeting. Uh, You do see people like Will Fuller, uh, who people are targeting from the other side of that game. But Calvin Ridley is the number two receiver who I think could be in line for a really big game in this matchup. Yeah. How about you, Brad? What contrarian players are you looking at? Oh, I'm mute. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what <laughs> his ownership's going to be, but I, I, I think Leonard Fournette has a more favorable matchup than uh, yeah. people might suggest. Um, when Carolina has been in a close, I guess, neutral, a neutral game or um, behind, so when teams facing Carolina up, they have been able to run all over Carolina. Um, they also, uh, Carolina, the Panthers just put a Kwan short on IR. So that's mm. a huge hit to the defensive line, who's yeah. always been a bit better at getting after the passer. Um, they're they're a very good pass defense, but, um, you know, if you, even Carlos Hyde was able to average five about five yards a carry, and people don't think he's any good anymore. So if you think he can... Um, <laughs> I don't see why someone who just rushed for over 220 yards can't. Right. Um, so I, I think Fournette has a bit better matchup than people might think, and he might go under him because of that. Um, He's also and, due for a positive touchdown regression. Yeah, is another has, one that has not gotten in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the stat was like he needs – He's like 3.2 touchdowns behind his yardage or something like that. Something and, crazy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think he could easily yeah, that's a good go call. for over 100 in a touchdown. Um, another 
person in that game, I think that um, might go underowned because of the Jacksonville matchup is Steve mentioned him earlier is Curtis Samuel. Um, even if uh, um, Jalen Ramsey comes back, I think that he will go against DJ Moore if he does shadow someone. Um, and I think Samuel gets more targets recently. Um, so I, and he seems to be Kyle Allen's go-to guy um, over Moore. I think against Moore, I think he's just as good. It's just Samuel's getting the targets. I, I don't think Jacksonville is, you know, is they're more susceptible than the defense, was it two or three years ago, when they literally shut everyone down, no matter how good you were. Right. Um, I, I'm not as afraid as this Jacksonville defense um, than other people suggest. You know, they're two good defenses on paper, but I think they're very exploitable in different ways. No, oh, that's a good point. One, uh, one guy I wanted to mention, quarterback, that I haven't heard anyone talk about yet this week, and I think people will shy away, and that's Phillip Rivers. I think people will shy away because it's, you know, Denver and the hype of the Denver defense. And you, when you look at the opponent rank, it, they're, you know, it's in red on DraftKings and things like that. But, I mean, Rivers has been excellent so far this year, highly efficient, throwing he's one game under 300 yards and he threw for 293. Um, yeah, you know, he's a guy who they're at home. Denver just lost Bradley Chubb. I see that team maybe collapsing a little bit. Uh, and I think the Chargers could put up another big game um, being at home against Denver. So if you want some quarterback savings or a quarterback that isn't getting a lot of hype, I would look at Phillip Rivers as a safe bet for 20 plus DK points. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't heard him talked about much. Um, I was focusing on the quarterback from the game. We were talking quarterbacks from the game. We were talking about the Houston Atlanta, but should we just play Brady against the Redskins? Is he going to score like 40 points? Cause I heard he's um, in line to beat both Brett Favre and Peyton Manning's yardage record this week. So I don't know. And they're obviously like a foot on the gas, you know, foot on your throat type team that they don't care if they're up by 30. I mean, should we just be playing Brady? The problem with the Patriots is I always feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole and I don't know who to target. So, um, but what, just a real quick before we go, Steve, what's your take on Brady against our terrible Redskins? Yeah. And, you know, I think this is a week to play Brady because he's actually coming off a game where he looked, yeah. Not only mortal, but bad. Uh, the Bills had him under 50% completion rate. Oh, uh, definitely. Completion percentage he, with one interception. I mean, he looked terrible. So you could have people kind of what you were saying, like, oh, why play Brady? You never know who to pair him with. But this is a guy who the other three games, which were all blowouts, uh, he had 23 to 28 DK points. Um, you know, he's just, everything's going on all cylinders. I think they've, We'll probably put any lingering effects of the Antonio Brown saga, saga behind them and just roll with, you know, Edelman, Gordon, Dorsett at receiver and, and White and Burkhead out of the backfield. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a trade before the deadline because that's what they do. Um, <laughs> but this week, I mean, who the Redskins can't stop that. You know, like they, Wayne Gallman was catching, it would not Saquon Barkley, Wayne Gallman was catching the ball all over the field against them. James White and Rex Burkhead are going to make the Redskins linebackers look silly. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Edelman, there, there's no way they're stopping Edelman in the slot. Um, down And downfield, I mean, 
Dorsett and Josh Gordon. If Brady wants to go downfield, he doesn't always do, but when he does, they'll they'll be open as well. I mean, Norman and Dunbar have struggled uh, <laughs> coverage, so um, they're all open. They're all open. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it. You know, picking who you pair them with is is a that's bit. What's, that's you know, what's hard. Yeah. There's probably only one, maybe two, will be okay. Um, but I think I think playing Brady makes a lot of sense because he's probably in line for 25 DK points pretty easily. Well, and he does also get that like I'm pissed off narrative, so he might be angry that he was held oh, in yeah. check. That, that so. he's coming off a bad game, and like you said, there's some milestones. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're going to probably put up 40 points. Now it could be 21 <laughs> from the defense. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, a problem. I don't know what Patriots. I'm so angry at the Redskins. I want to play Patriots defense and all the Patriots. Brad, who would you play from the Patriots? I, I mean, Brady, would you play the running backs, the wide receivers, the defense? Would you jam in as like four Patriots? What do you do here? Um, I think uh, maybe like a, a Tom Brady, Rex Burkhead stack. Because um, I think Burkhead's going to get some passing work. Hmm, Not as much as James White, but I, I think Burkhead's going to get a lot of the carries as well. I think it's, you're going to see... Unfortunately for Sony Michelle owners slash fans, um, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see something similar where they just don't need to run him 20 plus times or, you know, get him 20 touches when they're already winning 21 yeah. nothing in the second quarter. So why, with someone that has historically bad knees, why put that on him? You know, he was right. dominant in the playoffs. You know he's good. You know, just... Make sure he gets some touches, some work out there, and then Rex Burkhead's going to get you know thirty touches. Probably not. I that like that. But um, I, I think Burkhead might be the running back to play, and I, I think Edelman. I mean, Edelman just gets so many targets, and you know the only time he wasn't getting targets is when he was hurt. Right. So I think I think either two of those players or one of those position players with Tom Brady is a, a good pairing, and probably yeah. I'll, I'll be doing one. Or multiple lineups. We're all three. <laughs> We're all three in the defense. I don't know. I'm so frustrated with the Redskins. That might be the way I make my money. <laughs> this is the perfect game for the Redskins to win. Just so Jay Gruden can keep his job. <laughs> I'm you thinking he doesn't happen. care. I don't think I, don't, <laughs> I think he wants out. He's probably like, whatever. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's a that's a good way to wrap up. Um, but well, actually, any any closing thoughts, uh, Brad? Are you hoping for more uh, interesting college games to entertain you this weekend? Um, yeah, I, I won't be able to watch very many. I'm going down to Atlanta to visit my brother to watch uh, my beloved Tar Heels take on the awful Yellow Jackets. Very nice. This is, this is the fun. start of uh, UNC's quest of the coastal. Um, <laughs> It's a very, if we play anywhere we, like we did last week, I think Carolina could go have a very good season compared to what their preseason ranking or preseason projection was, which is right. two, another two-win season. But we've already got that in the bag. So sky's the limit. Probably won't get there, but we got <laughs> got to win next week. Awesome. All right. Well, tell Andrew we said hi and have fun down there. That's awesome. Steve, yes. do you have any closing thoughts for the week? Yeah, um, well, one one game I'm going to be actually really interested in on is uh, the Saints-Buccaneers game. That's a good uh, point. You know, I think both teams 
when Drew Brees went down, I think there's a lot of speculation. You know, Teddy Bridgewater did not look good. And I think the thought was, oh boy, they're in trouble until Brees can come back. And by that point, they might be dead and buried, especially in a tougher, would look like a tougher division. But then with the Cam injury, the Falcons struggling, uh, you know, this division looks like it could still be the Saints, especially since they, you know, beat the beat the Cowboys. Bridgewater's not playing great, but enough to win some football games. Uh, but on the other side, as Tampa, this is a team they, you know, they did lose to the Giants, but they beat Carolina when Cam was not healthy, but in there. And, uh, you know, they, they just went out and, and absolutely whooped the Rams. So, uh, you know, I think we, it'll be interesting to see if Tampa is legit. You know, I mean, this, this is a team that Winston has put together some good games now. Maybe Arians has this offense clicking. We know this defense can stop the run. They're not great against the pass, but, they are shutting teams down versus the run. So um, they they might threaten for this division, especially if Bridgewater can't keep this going. So this is a, I don't want to say a must win for the Saints at week four when they, are, they do have a game lead. But if they win this, I think they are very much in control of this division for the rest of the way because Breeze will hopefully be back in a couple of weeks and nobody else seems like they're ready to jump up and take it. Uh, if they lose, then I think this division is definitely up for grabs, especially if, uh, Carolina can knock off the Jaguars as well and, and put themselves in a favorable position. So I think that's a game that I don't think a lot of people will highlight, but that's a game that uh, I will be watching because I think there are long-term divisional implications. Absolutely. That's a really good point. Well, guys, it was another fun show. And everybody, we really appreciate you for, for you all for listening. Um, if you're on Twitter, be sure to follow us at Fanspeak. And if you're listening, we are on iTunes now. Um, so if you're able to subscribe and like it and review it, share it with friends, we would really appreciate it. Um, so on to another fun week of watching football. And we'll be able to join you next week and recap that. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.